What is lurking in the depths of the Bermuda Triangle? And all the maps you learned as a child are wrong. Let's learn a thing or two. All right. Adjust this accordingly. Yes, yes. Uh, Can everyone hear me? Yeah. I think so. Welcome back to the Two Top Podcast. Happy Thursday, Thomas. Happy Thursday, Matt. It's Valentine's Day, Matt. Ooh, nothing screams love than geeking out over some topics, you know? Yeah, and you know what's funny? Well, it's Valentine's Day, and I kind of want to go a little bit into the spooky season, though. It's not that time. But, Matt, do you like Florida? Yes, Florida, it's warm, full of old people. What's not to love? But, Matt, do you like disappearances, <laughs> though? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Because today we're talking about the Bermuda Triangle, Ooh. the Devil's Triangle in the s- Gulf of Mexico, kind of. No, the Gulf of Florida. It's all Florida. It's in between Florida, Bermuda, and Puerto Rico. And this area has been known for some of the creepiest disturbances. That's right. It is its own area. I was thinking Bermuda's in the Atlantic, but it's the area. It's like that whole... It's a triangle. Yeah. It, it's the triangle. It's a crazy area. Yeah, there's some weird stuff that happens down there. Everyone, it, everyone knows that. The triangle it covers almost... It's a big area. Like, just saying those countries might not be able to give you a scale, but it's about half a million to a million square miles of ocean. Yeah, open ocean. And well, who knows what else is in there, you know? Who knows? Because things seem to have a habit of disappearing in the Bermuda Triangle. Now, stuff has been reported there ever since Christopher Columbus days when they were sailing through. They... said there's weird weather patterns and there was crazy lights in the sky yeah but i mean you're you're on the ocean for a couple months like who knows i'm sure you see a bunch of crazy stuff yeah but one of the most incredible stories of the triangle legend is actually the legend of the uss cyclops now the uss cyclops oh a ship yes it's a ship i'm familiar with this one uh let me tell you the story of the uss cyclops so in 1918, the USS Cyclops disappeared, uh, but it was no small ship. This 542-foot-long Cyclops launched in 1910, and it served as like a fuel ship. It was filled with coal to refill the boats during World War I. So while it was on its way from Salvador, Bali, all the way up to Baltimore, Virginia, it never arrived, and it never did, any, uh, it never did its stop. And it disappeared without a trace. So they're like, where the heck? Where the heck did this giant ship go? This was no small ship. It was the largest fuel ship in the U.S. Navy at the time. There's no trace of it. There's no dis- distress signals. Yeah. All the crew, 306 people, all disappeared without a trace in the Bermuda con- in that area. Huge. Bermuda. What? Yeah, and they, they found no wreckage, right? No, it's actually considered one of the largest losses of life in the U.S. Navy history not involving combat. Wow. And it yeah, rem- 306 people? It remains a mystery. No one knows where it went because it st- its last stop was in Barbados, and then its next stop was supposed to be in Baltimore, and huh. it never really got there. Never. Who knows where it went? Maybe, I don't know. I mean, are you going to get into the theories? We will. I want to hit you with some other ones, though. I can think of a couple off the top of my head. Let's see if you hit them. Well, let me tell you another story to show that it's not a one-off. 
So there's another fam famous incident called the Flight 19. So Flight 19 was a group of five Avenger torpedo bombers. That's right. I know uh, this one, yeah. They left uh, the Naval Air Force Base in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, on December 5th for some training exercises. And the group of 13 men had to fly. Like, they were doing practices, practice bombing runs, and they had to go over the ocean to like practice yeah. and they went through this space about a half hour after the flight left lieutenant robert cox at the base picked up a radio transmission from taylor who was the captain of the flight uh taylor indicated that his compasses were not working but he believed to be somewhere over the florida keys and the cox uh lieutenant cox uh he urged them to fly to miami mm -hmm. now Get inland as soon as possible. That was one of the last interactions between the two. Because this... Next thing you know, they're gone. They're all gone. Yeah. Was there Were there storms reported? There was a heavy fog at the time. Uh, but their instruments uh, weren't You know what fog accurate. means, Thomas? Fog can mean a lot of things. It can mean aliens. Well... If we want to just dive into theories, I mean, like, I've I've been reading about the Bermuda Triangle since I was in elementary school. Things disappear, whether it's small ships or plane squadrons or airliners. Things disappear. And to human beings, that's a very – it's like when a child has a ball that disappears and, like, it doesn't comprehend the sense of it disappearing. Yeah. We, as people, can't comprehend a giant ship disappearing in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Where does it go? It has to go somewhere. That's what we're thinking, right? Exactly. So the thing is, though, we don't really know. I mean, there's theories. I, I'll start off with a little more far-fetched theories until I go into go some crazy, go all the way crazy. Some hardcore science. So we'll start at the extreme and then we'll work our way back to reality. Start with number one, Atlantis. Atlantis is held underneath the Bermuda Triangle and is sucking down ships. That's why do they want ships? Do you think, Thomas? I don't know. I'll have to go ask. Create a sub oceanic army maybe to take over the world or maybe they don't like people encroaching on their turf or they're finding a way back into reality maybe well, well that's one points maybe that's one atlantis. maybe that maybe it's atlantis the the i just studied some atlantis in my one class the the proposed location of atlantis back in the day was right at the entrance of um the mediterranean sea so knowing the plates have shifted over time it's possible that it could be anywhere in the atlantic ocean the column if it, if it is real if it's real so, it's a possibility thomas so it's not that far out there i'm supporting your point here another one that's a little big distance out there uh aliens uh there's been sighting a lot of sightings of lights like they described lights. yeah people have said they've seen crafts mm -hmm. over the bermuda triangle so maybe it's aliens maybe it's the underwater area 50 51 Maybe. Yeah, maybe our U.S. government, because it's off the coast of the United States. Maybe Fort, Fort, Fort Lauderdale is actually hiding Maybe there's an underwater alien artifacts. Yeah, maybe there's an underwater military base or something over there that stuff just goes to. So, maybe. You never there's know. Yeah, I mean, if aliens are in there, it would be easy to disguise, because as there are many storms, there, there are heavy fogs crazy weather conditions not not too different from other parts of the ocean that can have crazy weather that could cause these problems you know but 
you know, it's a it's a good it's a good canvas for some alien mischief. Am I right? So uh, one big issue though with all these is the whole thing of magnets not uh, magnetic fields being altered is not something of science fiction, but it's actually a fact that divers and geologists have noticed while in the Bermuda area. Yeah. So after doing some research and there's actually evidence of why this is happening. So Bermuda actually sits on one of the largest underwater volcanoes back in the history. Ooh. It's it's a volcanic island. It can't. Yeah. I mean, it's not active now, but all the underneath the surface is yeah. The thing active, yeah. the thing that created Bermuda was an underwater underwater volcano with a high content of iron. Now, due to this, the material that can be found right on the surface in pretty thick sheets is called magnetite. Yeah, and because of this compasses actually vary from a degree of like one to like 10 degrees off true north just yeah. due to the content of the island itself it's yeah. made out of a ferrous magnetic thing that its fields could affect ships and planes even at the distance and i was watching there's this guy who's a diver off the coast of bermuda who like looks at all the wrecks and which there are plenty there's of, of known wrecks, yes. yeah, which is interesting. He um he talks about how his instruments. He's like, yeah, we're like right now we're over a part of the ocean where I know my I can't trust my instruments here, and there's like more patches around here that I know he knows, yeah. that my compass yeah. is not right, and this is just an area of diving that you can't rely on your instruments because of the magnetic fields. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So it's not something of super far-fetched it's actually something of science magnetic fields are altered in the bermuda area and yeah. it's due to the composition of the ground it's funny you bring this up because recently I, I i possibly wanted to do do a topic on on magnetic north because i mean there's i there is a lot to it but there's not much that i would get into on this topic but magnetic north true magnetic north isn't at the geographic north northernmost point of earth it is where all the magnetic fields concentrate, which happens to be the result of under-Earth lava flow with yeah. that magnetite. That's the reason compasses point north. And, it's, and it shifts every single year. It can shift as much as, like, hundreds of feet. It was over it's, Canada in the 1800s, ex actually. Exactly. It's, it's crazy that we think that compasses are pointing toward the tip of Earth. It, that's not the case at all. So it's not far-fetched that we're realizing that other things affect compasses. I mean, you can put a normal magnet near a compass and it's going to affect it. Am I right? That is true. And the Earth has normal magnets. So the thing that interests people so much about the Bermuda Triangle is not really necessarily like, oh, the magnet shift. Like, that is a very interesting thing. It's more the fact that all these records that I've talk talked about, there's no evidence yeah. of any wreckage being found it's bizarre that those communications before things are lost like the ship and and the plane squadron were lost the communication is like we don't know where we are and then it just cuts off so that's same like with and they don't find anything that's bizarre and it's one of the freakiest things because also you think of more recently the malaysia airline flight that mm -hmm. vanished yeah which while doing research i ended up watching a video on that as well and i can Did they find pieces of it all they found was one piece of the wing. One piece. And like, not a big piece, but like a piece the size of like both our laptops next to one another. And part where, of the wing. And where does it go, Thomas? That's like the thing. Well, it floated all the way to the coast of Madagascar. I, 
I understand that the ocean is a huge place, but also technology is really good, and they can track currents. So, so we have a pretty good chance of finding things. Am I right? So the fact that we don't find things is what always scares us because we, I feel like we hate not knowing where things are. That's the fact. Yeah. And yeah. having a whole squadron of planes or the largest tanker ship around World War One just vanish, it makes you start to feel uneasy. It's like, how can yeah. something like that just vanish without a trace? Enter the alien theories and everything. Oh, yeah, those two. Yeah. But try, to, try to explain this, what happens. I'm sure as time goes on, more and more information will be found. And I'm sure we could come back to this in uh, years and be able to truly explain what goes on there. But it's another thing that might be unsolved for who knows how long. It's, you know, immediately when I think of the Bermuda Triangle, I wonder, like, hmm, is it uh, a phenomenon where there's, like, a giant whirlpool type of thing, you know, because of the, the bottom there, you know, the it just sucks everything down and there's no trace of anything because it sucks it in like a cavern in the earth or something. Right. It has to be something crazy like that, right? Yeah, definitely. Well, it's bizarre. That's why I have on the Bermuda Triangle, Matt. Have you ever flown to Bermuda? No, I've actually never been to some of those. I I have flown to the Caribbean. I went to Turks and Caicos and I went over the Bermuda Triangle through that area. And that's, I mean, when you go off the tip of Florida, you go over the, a little section of it, but, like, into the thick of it, it's pretty nerve-wracking. I'll tell you, like, you wonder there's some history. There are also cases. I wanted to bring up this case. This was on um, YouTube. Um, an airline flight coming from, I forget what island, somewhere in the Caribbean, was flying directly through the Bermuda Triangle, made radio contact before it was really in the, the main part of its course, saying, like, okay, we're expected to arrive Orlando at whatever time, blah, blah, blah. Ten minutes later, they get into a heavy fog, and they're like, we don't know where we are. Our GPS is malfunctioning. They can still communicate with the tower on land in the United States. Next thing you know, the fog clears. They're above Florida. It's like a, like a, like a portal almost. It's like they skip time, you know? Yeah, I remember reading about that. It's Weird stuff. They didn't disappear. It's, they shot forward. Maybe it's interdimensional. It's like they traveled, what, it was like they traveled 15 minutes, but they, the distance they traveled was more equated to like 45 minutes worth of travel. Yeah, exactly. It was weird. It was like a really weird thing. And they everyone was fine, but they just couldn't explain it. And they, they like passed the airport or something. That's bizarre. That's where it gets funky. I'm not one to put away the crazy thoughts of like, interdimensional travel because i don't know dimensions might be real because if humans can perceive the idea of having alternate dimensions maybe it's an actual thing you know i just don't know if they're hanging out out over florida chilling jamaica bermuda it's funny because you're already in like a paradise area nice weather (laughs) i mean yeah there are hurricanes there that's where the hurricanes kind of shoot up the coast the the southern part of the east coast you know hurricanes around there but like i don't know it's a nice it's a nice area otherwise right yeah it's pretty cool well, it's an interesting thing. It's interesting. It's it's funny because that area is situated between Bermuda, the United States, and some other islands out here in the Caribbean. You know, so it's kind of almost an enclosed area, whereas the rest of the ocean, the Pacific, Atlantic, are huge. They're gin- ginormous areas of water that we'd never. I mean, we do lose ships and planes out there, but normally we can explain what went wrong. There's nothing, no weird phenomenons, the yeah. phenomena happening. Which is really weird because, like, 
how come we can't control this small triangular area, whereas the rest of the world is a little bit more conquerable? Bizarre, it, right? People want to know what goes on, and they don't like being unsure of things. Yeah. So, but also people love this stuff. They eat it up. Any of these mysteries, cons conspiracies, folklore, like where did it go? I have a thousand different theories, red lines. You got the string going everywhere, trying to make connections, trying to find out yeah, what's you going on. Yeah, board in your back closet. But it's just one of those things that we, we won't know for who knows how long. You know what? The day we do learn some breakthrough evidence, it's going to be really cool. We're going to be all over it. It will be really cool whenever yeah. that happens. Or so. something else disappears. I hope nothing, no one gets hurt. I hope someone disappears and then is found. And then they yeah. have a cool story to tell. That would be cool. That would be cool. That would be very cool. But, Matt, that's enough on the Bermuda Triangle for now. What? Let's shift it, Thomas. Yeah, let's, let's move on. Thomas, I might be embarrassed to say I sat down for a half hour the other day on YouTube. I love YouTube so much. I watched a half hour long debate between a flat earther and an astronaut. How do you think that went, Thomas? It was a lot of he should see, like he, he, he said, he said, she, she said, said stuff. Yes, absolutely. There are some crazy facts that I had never even heard of. I'll tell you, the flat earther, ridiculous. Didn't stand a chance. It was an astronaut, very respectful guy. He was nice to the other guy, but he obviously was qualified to talk about Earth. He's he's seen makeup. the whole thing. He has seen it from outer space, so he knows that it's curved. The flat earther. Made some very interesting points, I'll admit, but science, you know? Yeah. You know, he was tied in with a little bit of ideas of religion, so there was some, some wiggity-whack there. You know, nothing wrong with that. There's all sorts of opinions. You can have whatever you want. But I'm just going to say an astronaut saw it from space, and he was trying to prove and explain that he actually saw it from space. Now, did the flat earther believe that he actually went to space? No, he was like, that's a hoax. And he's like, because you're an astronaut, you're part of one of the biggest conspiracies, the governments. And the astronaut was like, well, I was not a, an astronaut for NASA. I was a private company astronaut. I went up because I paid a ton of money to go into orbit because I wanted to do some research on my own because he owns a video game company. He's like, I don't have any relations with any government. I had to get approval by the government. And that just, like, set the flat earther off, you know. He's like a kid. And all the comments were very funny, his face. I'm not shaming flat earthers, but I'm shaming flat earthers. I don't know. There, it, well, first off, it's not flat. That We'll start there. but It's not? <laughs> yeah. Who would have guessed? I'm not going to talk about flat earth today, though. But this led me into a topic of understanding the spherical nature of earth. Do you know what the main map we look at is called? The Mer Mer Mercator. Mercator. Yeah, you know it. You know the Mercator it. the projection. <clears throat> it's the map we've been looking at since, you know, what, kindergarten? Yeah, around Someone that. in every, every classroom. So because the Earth is roughly spherical, every flat map will distort our map. So are you familiar with any of this distorted maps and how we perceive a flat map in terms of looking at a globe? It's, it's different. It's not right. So the map that we know isn't actually what Earth looks like from above. Yeah, it's a translation on a flat surface, but it doesn't give us a true, accurate depiction of space and distance between things. So to give a little background, the Mercator projection, which is the one we know, you know, you see it yeah. on your, your pull-down board at school, or most schools. I'll get into other schools, don't use it. Um, made by a... Um, Danish cartographer Gerardus Mercator in 1569. Yeah, if you make the map, you get the name of the map. 
early cartographer. And I'll get into this. You, you can use your name for other things, too. It's been wi widely used for centuries, including today in various forms. Google Maps and other online sources use it. Although, as of two weeks ago, two and a half weeks ago now, um, Google Maps updated their map from a Mercator projection to a spherical projection, a globe. Oh. It's act they just did this as we speak, Thomas. So, so it's now full globe. It's full on globe. So when you zoom out on Google Maps, not Google Earth, just standard Google Maps, it will turn into a sphere, which is accurate, which is the way it should be because that is how to get a true um, relative distance. You know, right. So nothing is distorted. So um, this map preserves directional bearing, the Mercator, um, presenting rum lines, which are imaginary lines that cut all meridians at the same angle as straight lines, thus making it a useful tool for navigation. So when you look at a flat map, the lines are straight across it. Am I right? They're not yeah. curved at all. They don't curve up. They don't curve down. They don't alternate. You know, it's, it's, it's straight lines. But if you've noticed closely, do you notice anything about the lines here when you look in the middle and then you look out here? Yeah, the lines towards the top and the bottom are more stretched. Yeah, they're stretched out. So it does compensate for the Earth being curved, but to put it on a flat plane, you need to distort the topmost part of the map and the bottommost part of the map. So there are some problems with that. I'm going to list you list some problems for you. Alaska is nearly as large as the continental U.S. You see Alaska right there? Yeah. That's almost the size of our entire country. That's completely false. Alaska is not that size. It's huge. So when you're a little kid and you're looking at Alaska, you're like, wow, Alaska, so much wilderness. It's not as big. It's a big place, but it's not as big as we actually see it on this map. Greenland is roughly the same size as Africa. See Greenland right there? Yeah. Ginormous. Honestly, in this map, it looks bigger than Africa. No, not true at all. Uh, Europe, excluding Russia, is only a bit larger than South America, which is not true at all. Um, Antarctica dwarfs all the continents. Antarctica is huge. Look how huge it is. Yeah, the only reason it's huge is because it's circular and it just it's a cap. It's a southern polar cap. You know? So they wrap it all the way. They wrap it all the way around. It looks huge. That's not the case. So in reality, Alaska can fit inside the continental U.S. about three times. So it's still big, not quite that big. Greenland can fit inside Africa about 14 times. That's one of the biggest mistakes. Greenland look, looks bigger than Africa on the Mercator projection. Completely wrong. It's 14 times smaller. South America nearly doubles Europe's landmass. Antarctica looks like the second smallest continent in reality. So now an astute reader might avoid these air areas by noticing the elongated area between the lines on the, on the end. So, But not everyone looks at it that way. So thus, we have some new projections come in. There is a way that we can um, show relative area um, using Tissot's indicatrices, indicatrix, which are geometric. It's a geometric equation to show mass, like the size. So something in this circle right here is the equivalent of something in that circle right there. Okay, I get that. So that helps you visualize it, but it doesn't solve the problem. So people set out to solve the problem. So um, in 1974, someone named Dr. Arno Peters, a German uh, cartographer, claimed he invented a map projection um, that was, it was actually very similar to a projection by James Gall in the 1800s. So it's called the Gall-Peters projection because they both had to put their names on it, like we said, claiming names. Um, and this map essentially flips the, the, the stretch in the lines. So instead of the outside being distorted, the middle is more distorted. Oh, so it's a... 
So the inside is more stretched than the outside. So it kind of evens it all out, but they, it still looks weird. It still looks very weird. I mean, we're so used to the Mercator projection that this looks just wiggity whack, you know? Yeah, super It whack. doesn't look, it makes me kind of nauseous looking at it, to be honest. But also, I thought I liked this map more than the Mercator projection. I'm like, oh, if it shows landmass more accurately, then like, for sure, let's let's use this map. But the more I look at it, I'm like, well, it, sh it still has its problems. Um, it, it doesn't enlarge areas as much as a Mercator projection, but it certainly places, um, they, they appear stretched. Like instead of um, horizontally, oh, near the poles, it's stretched more horizontally and vertically near the equator. So, you know, at the equator, South America, it looks really long. And that's not the case. So this, this problem of looking at a map on a flat surface is, is, has proved to be a problem for like, you know, airplanes doing cross-continent travel, you know? Us just trying to understand distance on on the daily level, you know, traveling from one state to the next state, you know, it's not as far as some maps show, and some maps show it's much closer. So it's a really weird thing. So the best way to look at a map is just to use a globe. You it know? is. It's the most accurate way to do it. Now, did you you know how the Mercator projection was created, right? Split. They cut. They essentially cut up a globe. Am I right? Not quite. Well, yes, but do you know what, like what it is representative of? Well, there's this idea of Eurocentricism. Is that what you're going to get into? No, like how they physically how you project a map. A no, sphere no, no, no. Tell me circle. what you're thinking. So, in a sense, you know, if you were to take a ball and try to unwrap it, like if you took a beach ball, it and wouldn't, tried to, it it wouldn't, wouldn't stay flat. No, it wouldn't stay flat. There'd yeah. be gaps everywhere. So, what the projection is, if in order to get a flat map, but it's kind of extruded. Um, imagine you take a tube and you put the globe in the tube. Put a globe in a tube. Okay. You put, you have a tube and then you put the ball in the tube and then you project the line straight out. Yeah. They, they did the reflection. That was a project I had in my cartography class. You could take a flashlight to a, a clear globe and project it and trace it on a cylinder on the outside. Yeah. That, that's how they did that's it. That's what, yeah. that's why you have like that. Equator is super more accurate to the size. Mm -hmm. And then the further away you go is the more stretched it becomes. And in reality, there's no, you can never have the perfect flat map. Not at all. Yeah. Because like, it's if, not flat. That's the reality of things. Yeah. And Sorry, if you were to do a straight line from like Philadelphia to Chicago on a globe, it's not, well, it's not really a straight line through the air. There's a, there's curvature to it. Absolutely. So it's more, what's the best map for travel? Well, that's what it was back in the day. But yeah, that's what it would look like. Okay, so we're looking at a projection called the Interrupted Sinusoidal, which is essentially a bunch of, I don't know, what would you call uh, it? How, how would it you like describe triangles, it? bunch of triangles, but they're curved. And essentially, it doesn't fit perfectly into a globe when you wrap it all together because things have to bend. But it's pretty close. The only problem is you have these gaps. Yeah, it looks like if you're to take that's an accurate depiction. But how it's do you, also not. How would you even describe that? It's like if you were to take oh, if you're to take an orange peel and try to flatten it out. But you have to cut sections out to make it flat. Yeah, it's kind of like that. I mean, if you check the video, there's a image of it. But um, anyway. The best way to project a map, though, is using a globe, you know? and But there are equations we can use, um, such as azimuthal maps, 
for navigation, it shows um, it, it compensates for the curvature of Earth, so you can draw straight lines, but it will show you relative where you will pop out if you go straight that direction. So that's something pilots will use while flying across the ocean and stuff. But um, the Gall-Peters projection is highly controversial in the map community because traditional map organizations in, in not just the United States but around the world are like, no, we can't change what everybody knows so quickly. But Gall-Peters was arguing that the early Mercator projection was making Europe seem bigger than it was in the center. So there's the idea of Eurocentricism, which yeah. is historic. That's a fact. Europe was always like, oh, we're the biggest. You know, If they made the map... Like, you put your name on it. It's like a very, like... Right. It, it's, it's a right took to ownership. the map. It's ownership, you know? So there's that idea. So I'm all for different map projections. I'm not going to be heated about it, though. I just want an accurate depiction. So that's why I think, you know, globes are the best. I'm glad Google Maps just changed to a globe. When you zoom out, you can see everything is destroyed. It's curved. It's not just on a Mercator projection. You can actually see everything relative to one another. So, you know, when you get a chance, look at Google Maps and look at how continents lie next to each other and see the actual size of them. Because since we've been little, you know, it's been a lie, Thomas. Yeah, it's all I been mean, a lie. those big countries up in the north have actually not been as big as we thought. Not at all. Not at all, especially Greenland. Um, I just want to say... Uh, maps based on the projection of the Gulf Peters are promoted by UNESCO, and they are also widely used by British schools. The U.S. state of Massachusetts and the Boston Public School System began phasing in these um, Gulf Peter projected maps in March of 2017, so pretty recent, um, becoming the first public school district and state in the U.S. to adopt the Gulf Peters map as their standard. Wow, look at that go. Look at them go. Right? You know, moving forward. So yeah. maps, I mean, everybody learns the map. Back in the day, you had to use a map to travel. Mm -hmm. But when you're on a small scale, like the curvature doesn't matter. But when we go a little larger... It matters. It does. Yeah. Like if you were to just use a flat map to try to fly a plane a long distance, it's not going to work out. Mm -hmm. You need something that's made specifically for that. You need to compensate. The earth is curved. Things happen, you know? Countries aren't directly related to each other according to the map you know like i i was wondering like if you went directly straight across directly east across the atlantic ocean from you know the jersey shore where are you gonna pop out and i found it's it's like portugal basically you go straight across you know i always thought it was africa but oh yeah i guess it's different. higher than you think it's higher than you think yeah i think it's really weird Just take a look at a map explore it figure out not not just a map look at a globe Figure yeah. out what's real. Look know? at the globe, and then you'll really see the truth of the Earth. And, hey, surprise, it's not flat. Who it's not guessed? flat, no. <laughs> but I don't know. If you want to watch that debate on YouTube, it's interesting. You get really into it. Yeah? Yeah. Well, we got some map, map info. Bermuda is not as now. small as we think it is, too. <laughs> the triangle is going to eat you all, and... We're gonna need a map to get there, but I'm glad. Get out. <laughs> I'm glad that these things, you know, we can relate them together. This area down in Bermuda, it's bigger than we think, and maybe it affects more than we would have ever imagined. Yeah, it's more. Who knows what's actually going thought. down there? But I mean, at least we're giving more m accurate map projections in our day to day, right? Yeah. Well, let's hope. Let's hope they all learn <laughs> something from this. But this is what we have this week for Two Top, and we'll see you guys next time. For another Two Topics. See, see ya. ya. This was Two Top. 
an independently created and run podcast created by Thomas Lance and Matt Berg. Music this episode comes from Lee Rosevere. For more info about this week's episode, visit us at twotoppodcast.com. For general inquiries and feedback, send us an email at twotoppodcast at gmail.com. See you next week for another Two Topics.